Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11. Therefore, remember that formerly, you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, that done in the body by the hands of men. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from the citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise. Without hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by abolishing in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace. And in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Let us pray. Father, we are so grateful that you do make a way of peace. You make a way of peace between us and you. In the work, the life, the death, the resurrection of your son, Jesus Christ. You make the way of peace between us. And brothers and sisters in Christ of every tribe and nation and language and people group. Father, we thank you for this. Father, we pray that you'll guide us at this time. That you'd give us wisdom and understanding, discernment through your Holy Spirit. That we may know the truth. And that the truth would set us free. In Christ's wonderful name. Amen. Amen. As we continue to look at this, where the Apostle Paul is teaching the church in Ephesus. And as he's teaching and instructing the church in Ephesus, he is teaching and instructing a church that is comprised of those from a Jewish background and those from a Gentile background. And the Apostle Paul here is trying to lift up this truth. That if you are from a Jewish background and you've come to salvation in Jesus Christ, hallelujah, that was by the grace of God. Not by your works, but by the grace of God. And if you happen to be of a Gentile background, well, you've come to salvation by the grace of God. Not by works, the grace of God. Of God. There is one way of salvation, Jesus Christ, 
And that way of salvation is for all Jews and Gentiles, every tribe, every language, every people group. They are one because there's one gospel, one body, and one truth. This is what the Apostle Paul is establishing here as he's presenting this. Now here we're going, we see some words repeated in verses 13 through 17. Some very important words are repeated several times. And the words repeated the most often in this is the interplay between peace and hostility. Peace and hostility. Because of our sin, we have hostility toward God. Before we are made alive to believe and trust in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we hate God. We are hostile toward God. And God's wrath and condemnation is on us. So it's, it's a relationship of hostility. But when we come to believe in Jesus Christ and our Lord and Savior, the hostility is removed and we have peace with God. We experience His forgiveness for us, His love for us, and we then are freed from our sin to love God, to truly love God, to desire Him more than anything else, to, to seek after Him. That becomes ours in Jesus Christ. So you see the the interplay between the words here of peace and hostility. Not only does Christ bring us peace rather than hostility between us and God, but also between Jew and Gentile, between all the people of God, all those angers and animosities and prejudices and, and barriers that we put up are removed in Jesus Christ. So that hostility is removed and replaced with peace in Jesus Christ. So we're going to look at those two words that interplay between hostility and peace as we look at these. Another key word that's woven throughout this passage is in verse 16, and might reconcile, reconcile. So that's a part of this making peace is we are reconciled. Things are brought about so that we can have true unity and strive side by side for the gospel. Because we have been reconciled. And another, another set of words that is repeated throughout this passage of verses 13 through 17, we'll be looking at those, is the contrast between being far off and being drawn near. Far off and drawn near. And this is what we talked about a bit last week. It's one thing to be far off from food when you're hungry. It's one thing to be far off from water when you're thirsty. It's another thing to be far off from oxygen when you're drowning or suffocating. But it is of the most consequential, dire, life or death situation when you are far off from the living God. 
that is our most vital need to be drawn near. To be drawn near. That's why every person you encounter, it doesn't matter what tribe, what language, what people group, it doesn't matter what background, everyone has one dire, urgent, life and death, eternal consequential need. They need a savior. That's what we all need. We all need a Savior. So that's what the Apostle Paul we see here as the Holy Spirit's guiding and leading and inspiring these words here in Scripture of this letter to the church in Ephesus. As we look through verses 13 through 17, we're going to see that interplay between hostility and those who are far off to peace being a drawing near. There are a few things as painful as when you are hurting a need and you go to someone and they push you away. Oh. Oh. That's painful. But oh, it's a wonderful thing when you are hurting and in need and someone comes and they take you and they scoop you up and draw you close in love. Isn't that a beautiful A beautiful thing. So here we're saying how it is that we who are sinners, who have rebelled against God, who are under condemnation, under God's wrath, how it is that God has made the way for both Jew and Gentile that just as we see the prodigal son, where the father sees the son and runs to the son, and falls on the Son with kissing, draws him near. We see how in Jesus Christ, God the Father has made a way to draw us near. No matter how far off we were. No matter how far off. If God could create the expanse of the galaxies, the universe, is anything too far from him? No. And that's what he's done in Jesus Christ. He's made the way for all of his people to be drawn near. So if you look at verse 13, as we go through this, if you look at verse 13, it says this. But now, but now. That's that interplay with verses 11 and 12 just before it, where it talked about our state as Gentiles before Jesus saved us. And remember, there were four horrifically dire situations that we are in outside of faith and belief in Jesus Christ. If you look at that at verse 12, remember that at that time you were. Now, if you believe in Jesus Christ, thank God for the past tense. You understand what I'm saying? Thank God for the past tense. This is what you were. But now that you are in Jesus Christ, this no longer describes you. But this is what we were before faith and belief in Jesus Christ. Remember that that time you were, verse 12, separated from Christ? Excluded from the citizenship in Israel? Foreigners to the covenants of the promise? 
in the most dire condition anyone can be in, without hope and without God in the world. That is as bleak and stark and horrific a picture that could be portrayed of any person. And that is, that is our condition before belief and faith in Jesus Christ. And then here, verse 13 starts again with the but. Hallelujah. Again, I'm telling you, that's one of the most beautiful words in Scripture. Beautiful words in Scripture. I once was lost, but now I'm found. This is it. So you see this, and here it is again. This is our condition of lostness and brokenness, but verse 13, but now, present tense, this is who you are in Jesus Christ, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off far away separated lost dead blind broken have been brought near brought near in all these images you have this image of faith where the holy spirit makes you alive and enables you to have the faith of a child and you have that image of a little child looking uh, to, a, to a mother or father or, or a grandfather or grandmother or a guardian or someone they love. And in that favorite moment I always have when that little child looks at you and they do this. What do they want? They want you to pick them up. Oh, it's still so tender to me. I hope and pray when Logan and Owen are in their 20s and they tower over me. They'll look at me and go like this. And that they'll pick me up. But isn't that, oh, isn't that one of your favorite things? When a little child does that? Or when you're walking. You're walking like in the park or something. And I've learned this. Always to have my hand ready like this. You don't want to have your hands in your pocket. Because if you have your hands in your pocket, you're going to miss this. When the little child grabs your hand, you know, when they want, they want to hold your hand. Oh, that's wonderful. Those are these little glimpses, these little pictures that God gives us of what it is that we have been made right in Jesus Christ, that our sins have been forgiven. We've been given a new heart a new mind to love God, to seek after God. And because of Jesus Christ, when we have faith and believe, and when we go like this to our Heavenly Father, He picks you up. He draws you near. He holds you in an embrace that is pure love and care. It's the most wonderful Wonderful thing you can experience. And that's what Paul is capturing here. This drawing near is the most intimate, loving, caring, whether it's a, a, someone scooping up a child or whether you are drawing near someone you love dearly and, and you're, just, you're just holding them. You're just holding them. 
And that's the condition that we can have in Jesus Christ. We go from being far away, removed under condemnation and under God's wrath to being his, what was all of chapter 1 of Ephesians? His child whom he loves. That's the new condition we have in Jesus Christ. And what's so powerful about this, the Apostle Paul is saying this isn't only for those who are Jewish who believe in Jesus Christ, that this is also for Gentiles who come to belief in Jesus Christ. And this is the amazing discovery. This is where the mystery is being revealed in Jesus Christ in the Scriptures. And that's what we see woven through here. So as this says in verse 13, but now, now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near. And how did this happen? By the blood of Christ. By the blood of Christ. Now this is very important. This is very important. The Apostle Paul is making clear the only way Jew or Gentile is drawn near is because Jesus Christ, he had to die on the cross. He had to shed his perfect blood. He had to take our sins. He had to bear the wrath we deserved. He had to pay the penalty because the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. We cannot be brought near because God looks at us and says, well, I know I, I know I have these laws, I know I have these commandments, but, and I know you've broken them and you rebel against me, but I, I'm just going to, I'm going to let that slide. There are things that God cannot do. God cannot do that. God cannot do anything that's against his attributes. God cannot do anything against his holiness and his love and his grace and his goodness. So for us to be able to, in faith, throw our arms up to our heavenly father and say, I believe in you. Thank you for your grace and know that God scoops us up and draws us near to the power of the Holy Spirit in his son, Jesus Christ. God could only do that because Jesus Christ was crucified and died on the cross. Blood had to be shed. Life had to be taken. That's the powerful reality of the gospel. So that's how precious the blood of Christ is. It's, it's the most precious thing. That's what Peter said. It's far more precious than gold or silver or anything on this world because it is by the blood of Christ that you go from condemnation to being a loved child drawn near by your heavenly Father. It means everything. It means everything. Now you see this scriptures in the Old Testament it said this. When God made a promise to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob 
who he's going to create a people, the Jewish people, and all these blessings to them, all these covenant promises he said, he always said that this, and you will be a blessing for all people. So even in the beginning, we see that, yes, God is creating a people to display who he is, but that people will be for all people. God's elect of every tribe, nation, people group. We see this again in Isaiah 11.10. Isaiah 11.10, it says, In that day, the root of Jesse, who shall stand as a signal for the peoples, of him shall the nations inquire, and his resting place shall be glorious. Oh, it's wonderful. That's, that's good news. It isn't just those of the Jews who come to true faith. And it's, it's, it's all people who would believe and trust. It's, it's the good news for the nations. We see Jesus teach us in John 10. John 10, Jesus says this, starting at verse 14. I am the good shepherd, and I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. I lay down my life for the sheep. He sheds that blood so that the sheep can be drawn near. Verse 16. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. Huh. Who are these sheep that are not of this fold? It's not aliens. It's not aliens. That is a that is a interpretation of this text. It's not aliens. Not outer space aliens. It is those who are aliens, foreigners of the covenants and the promises of God, as Ephesians 2 said. That means Gentiles. That's the good news. Gentiles. Jesus is talking about you. If you are of a Gentile background, hey, hey you made it in the scriptures. Here it is. Here it is. You're in the scriptures. That Jesus says, and I have other sheep that are not of this fold. So not only those of the Jews, but also the Gentiles. And this is the promise. He says, I must bring them also. Not I might. I must. And they might listen to my voice. No. It's they will listen to my voice. So that there will be a few, no, one flock, and several, no, one shepherd. You see this, there is one Savior, one gospel, one way, and, and the church is, becomes one family. That's what Jesus taught in John. So Paul isn't teaching anything new here. That's what's very important. All Paul is doing is faithfully, through the power of the Holy Spirit, teaching the truths of what Christ lived and taught and instructed. So we just see a continuation of the one gospel from the Old Testament to the New in Jesus Christ.
This is why Jesus in Matthew 28 can say, verse 19, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. You see there again. All nations. All nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Why? Because God is making one new people, one family, one body through the power of the Holy Spirit in the one gospel. There is going to be one flock, no longer two, one flock and one shepherd. You see it throughout the Old Testament and the covenant promises and the prophets and Isaiah. You see Jesus teaches in John 10 and you see it in the Great Commission of Matthew 28. And that's what's so powerful because in our text, Ephesians 2, verse 14, it says, Jesus Christ is our peace. There's your peace. And he has made us both one. There it is, the exact fulfillment of what Jesus taught in John chapter 10. He has made us both one. How has he done this? He has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create one new man in place of the two, so making peace. You saw this in Acts chapter 2. So we see this in Isaiah. You saw this in Jesus' teaching in John 10 and Matthew 28. Now that Jesus is, he's resurrected and he's ascended. And in Acts 2, the Holy Spirit comes and falls. And you have Peter preach this sermon. In verse 36, let all the house of Israel. So Peter here is focused in on Israel. So that's the, the people of God. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Verse 39, here's the key. For the promise, the promise of this gospel message is for you and for your children and for all who are far off. There it is again. Who are the far off? It's the Gentiles. All who are far off. I love this. Everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. Everyone. Everyone. And oh, it took the whole New Testament for the apostles and church leaders to grapple with this understanding that God shows no partiality. 
This becomes one of the great struggles of the New Testament. God shows no partiality. He calls from every nation, every people, and everyone whom He calls, they will come to Him. Lazarus didn't have an option. Jesus didn't shout out there, Lazarus, if you're willing, come out. No, he said, Lazarus, get out of there. And he comes out. That's the grace of God in bringing us to salvation. That's what we see here. Everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. But as we see here in in 14 and 15, that Jesus... In his flesh, there's this dividing wall of hostility. And in his flesh, he tears this wall down. He removes the barrier so that not only Jew, but also Gentile can have access to forgiveness of God. And it says here, by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances. Now, we understand that Jesus... He said that he didn't come to destroy the law, but he came to fulfill it, to fulfill it. So we see where Jesus fulfills the ceremonial laws. He fulfills these laws. And the reason why this is displayed is this, and the best text is Galatians that that illustrates this. If you go to Galatians 3, you see the heart of this, how Jesus fulfills the law and the commandments, tearing down this hostility. One of the best texts is Galatians 3, where the Apostle Paul just beautifully, you see the Holy Spirit inspired, and he weaves together this truth of how the law and the ordinances are abolished, fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Galatians 3, starting at verse 6. Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness, know then that it is those of faith who are sons of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, see, not by law, by faith, Preach the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. Verse 9. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith. Rather, the one who does them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, being a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. That's the mystery being revealed. Romans 2.28 says, 
For no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly, nor is circumcision outward and physical, but a Jew is one inwardly, and circumcision is a matter of the heart. There it is. By the Spirit, not by the letter. So this is how Jesus tears down this wall of hostility. And you see that hostility continue to manifest itself throughout the New Testament. And Paul and Peter lifting up the truth of Christ to combat that lingering hostility. The problem, the stumbling block for many of the Jews was this. We are God's people because we have his law, we have his commands, and if we keep his law and his commands, then we are right with God and no one else is. What's the problem with that? No Jew except Jesus Christ ever kept the law and the commandments perfectly. So that's the stumbling block for them. For a Jew, they have to humble themselves and say this. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. I failed. I need a Savior. And for the Gentile, I didn't even care about following your laws and commandments. I need a Savior. Jesus fulfills the law perfectly so that both Jew and Gentile in him can have his righteousness. It's amazing. The Bible talks about us putting on Jesus's righteousness. So you can think of this as this. Regardless, say you are of Jewish background and you, like every person, fail to perfectly obey God's law. So before coming to faith in Jesus, you're wearing this robe and all this robe says on it is condemnation. On the front, on the back, it says under God's wrath. That's not a good robe to be wearing, but that's the robe you're wearing. So a Jew comes to believe in Jesus Christ and they're given a robe that says the righteousness and holiness of Jesus Christ. They're welcomed in because of his righteousness. Well, what's so amazing and what Paul's saying here is that same robe that Jesus's righteousness and holiness is also given to every Gentile who comes to believe, who's been called by God. And if Jew and Gentile are dressed in the same righteousness, it becomes awfully hard to differentiate between the two. They become one people, one new nation, one flock, one body, one church. That's how it takes place. That's how we're reconciled. So if that's the good news, I just encourage each and every one of us Jesus does this is verse 16 by the cross. Remember we saw earlier by his precious blood. Well, his blood is shed on the cross. 
And he came and preached peace to you who are far off and peace to those who are near. So it's my hope and prayer. Every one of us have family, friends, loved ones, co-workers, people we know who are not in the peace of Jesus Christ. They're not. They continue in hostility and unbelief toward God. So that's my hope and prayer as we pray for them, as we share the gospel, that we will call out to them that no matter how far off they may be, if they would but trust and believe in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, it doesn't matter what they've done, what sin they've committed, how bad they've been. It doesn't matter how far off they are. If they would but believe Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, boom. They are embraced. They are held and drawn near in the most wonderful peace that would pass all their understanding. Tell them to throw their arms up to their heavenly Father in Jesus Christ and He will pick them up. That's the promise of God's Word. So let's pray. Father, we thank You. We thank You that You are so good. We thank you for the blood of your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you that he would go to the cross to make one people, one new nation, one family. How good you are, Lord. Father, we thank you that no matter how we've rebelled or sinned or hated you in the past, that in your Son, Jesus Christ, we know that you've drawn us so near. That you hold us so tenderly. So perfectly. With such love. Father, we pray that you'll help us to understand that more and more. And that we will proclaim that gospel of your peace. So that others would know your loving forgiving embrace. In Christ's wonderful name, amen.